Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I want to welcome each and every one of you to a new series that we're going to do the next few weeks entitled the Good Steward. I want to look in the camera there and welcome our McKinney campus. In fact, I really want to celebrate our McKinney campus. Last weekend, there were 40% more people impacted. There were a lot of baptisms from the previous year, so we're excited about what God's doing at our McKinney campus. Yeah, it's a great place to celebrate. And our Hazlitt campus had baptisms, and God was doing amazing things there as well, and we always love to just welcome our online campus. Let's put our hands together, welcome everybody that's joining in with us. When you, when you hear a message, the good steward, some of you, again, last weekend at all of our campuses, we baptized almost 100 people. So that's exciting, and so there's at least 100 of you that are new to this, And my role is to make sure as a pastor that I'm helping you understand all the aspects of who God is and what his word teaches us about our everyday lives. But you hear that and some of you are like, I'm interested, I'm I'm intrigued. What does God have to say about stewardship? And some of you have been around this for a little while and you're like, well, is the pastor now going to talk about stewardship, which leads to talking about money and You know, he's thinking about the end of the year, so, you know, it's going to be now let's talk about the budget at the church and let's start talking about it in relationship to what God needs or maybe what the church needs. I want to be very clear. I pastor a very generous church for those of you that are new. In fact, we have about 2,000 of you that are new to the Milestone family. Well, welcome. We're, We're glad you're here. Yeah, we're glad you're here. But... I need to make sure you know something. I I pastor a very generous church. In fact, the building here in Keller, this church family gave over $23 million to the building. So you might also think, well, they moved into a new building. The pastor's trying to pay the light bill. But when your church generously gives over several years $23 million, you, you have the ability to keep your facilities costs low and put more money into ministry. So... I want to be very, very clear. I'm talking to you about stewardship because God has something to say to you about it. His word speaks to us. I also lead our church as a pastor, so I care about you. God doesn't need anything from us, but he does want a lot for us. I also am not only a pastor, I'm also a dad. And a lot of my kids are now growing up and leaving the house, and I want to say to some of you young families that we live in a world today that needs more of God's perspective biblically in this area. The number one thing you're going to want outside of their character and, and, and they're walking out the plan God has for their life, every parent wants more for their kids than they want for themselves. They want their kids to be blessed. They are struggling with, well, God's blessed me, and now how do I even deal with what I want to entrust to them maybe when I die one day? And we've never seen a kid who didn't say, I want. Maybe y'all don't have any of those kids. They 
They, they, even when they grow up, they still, these are needy people, guys. These are needy, needy people. And, and, you know, Christmas lists are going to start rolling in and kids are going to say, I want, but, but, but God as a father is just like us as mothers and fathers. We, we, a lot of times are saying, well, I love to bless you with what you want, but what I want from you is to clean your room. Because actually what you put on your Christmas list may be under a mound of clothes right now, and you already have two of them. Anybody live in real life? So stewardship is a lens. It's a lens by which we see the things God has given us. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Malachi chapter 3. It's going to take me a moment to get there, but stewardship by definition is one who manages another's property, resources, or affairs. It's the stewardship of not something that is yours, but stewarding something that is someone else's, and stewardship is a lens and a picture in the Bible. It's something that I, as along with you, I have a heart for people around me, not only my children, but I'm not just a preacher, I'm a pastor in years of discipling people and helping young people and working with our college students today. It's something that I want to see in the lives of people because I see it emphasized in Scripture and I'm also at a place in my life where I've experienced it as well. Stewardship is something that I would love for us over the next few weeks to maybe for some of you get reacquainted with. You're like, well, I know a lot of this. Well, well, good. You need to be reacquainted with it because if you know it, we need you in the game helping other people with it. But there's a lot of you that are new and you're just saying, man, I, I don't, I've never even understood that God had something to say about that. Well, actually, the Bible starts, when you study Scripture, it, it starts with a garden. And it starts with God creating his people and he says to them, Take care of this, like till it and keep it and watch over it, and, and I've even given you dominion over this stuff. I've put you with some authority over these things, and God's promise to them is that he will bless what they're doing. They will be fruitful. Being fruitful is more than being financially wealthy. You'll be fruitful, and you'll multiply. Then you go into the patriarchs, you look at Abraham, you look at the, the passages of scripture there where, where God is you know, sending Abraham to a new land or moving Moses into this new mission. And then you see all these stories of God setting up territories and giving them lands and places. And he's consistently communicating to them that I'm your source, I'm the one directing you. And he says things like this, you are blessed to be a blessing. But then you come to Jesus. I know there may be someone saying, well, why would the church talk about money and resources and things and our stuff and managing God's stuff? Well, there's 2,350 verses in the Bible on the subject. I do a series of, you know, once a year, but the truth is there's like 500 verses on faith and prayer. I'll give you another one. When we get to Jesus, Jesus talked a lot about stewardship. 
And in fact, over 40% of his parables included money, wealth, possessions, things, stewarding those things. That's a lot of times was his go-to illustration. Why? Because it's what we do every day. It's what we handle every day. It's what gets in our hearts. It's what we focus on. So Jesus, like 16 of his 38 parables, he talked about stewardship. We're going to talk about it the next few weeks. Next week, I'm going to help you a little bit practically with how do you steward and look over the things God's given you and maybe give you a little coaching on those things. And we're just going to walk through some of these areas of Scripture together. But I want to start with what are some big overarching themes in the Bible about money? What are some of the big themes that you got to get? Some of you may not know that the Bible has some real key points in this area. How do, how do you approach it? How do you look at it? How do we need to see it? And, and, and here's what you need to know. Money is a tool. God wants it to be in our hands. And if you see it God's way, it'll continue to be a tool in your hands for God to use for his glory, but there's a problem with money. It likes to leave our fingers, crawl up our arms, and become Lord of our heart. It has a way of coming up and saying, oh, I am what you are to worship. I want to be your God. It just has a tendency to do that. And money can be a reflection of what you love, what you prioritize, what you put your initiatives into. Um, I mean, I know this about the people I pastor. Whatever you get into, like you go all in. I had one of those. It's my annual report to you. We reported on missions. Isn't that amazing? But I want to give you my annual report that pretty soon you'll be receiving my family Christmas card And this is therapeutic for me to share with you the level of sacrifice that your pastor goes through to allow you to receive this blessing. My wife begins scheduling it months beforehand. I now have, you know, adult daughters involved in the game. There are outfit selections. There is a planning committee. There are begin to make, this year, I'm like, they're they're all talking, we're going to, we're going to do neutrals. Cool, cool. So they start shopping and trading and dresses. And the day of, it's chaos at my house. There's outfits everywhere. Dad, would you kind of, you know, give us some little bit of money so we can go blow dry our hair at a place that blow dries hair? I, I didn't even know that exists. Obviously, I'm not in need of these things. <laughs> Somebody was so smart to charge People like me for their daughters to go blow dry their hair when we have 15 blow dryers in our house. And so they go to get a blowout. They come home, there's copious amounts of makeup, and I'm told by my wife, pulled to the side, you need to have a good attitude. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'm struggling. I am. I'm struggling. I'm fighting the flesh. And then finally, it's like 30 minutes before, and they got all their outfits and stuff, and I'm like, what am I going to wear? Just go put something on. Just get one of your sport coats or something, and just you'll be fine. I'm like, I wanted neutrals. Where's my neutrals? 
Several years ago, one of my favorite stories to tell is we went over to Irving for the big family photo. The kids were a lot younger, and one of the kids said, let's bring the dog. We went there. There's a moat that goes through there. We were going to take our photos out on the edge of the moat. The dog's running around. The kids are fighting. It's the absolute worst thing. It's just everybody's everywhere. And, you know, it's just like, okay, we got to do the photo. And I'm like, ah. And there's a moat coming, and I can see what's about to happen. There's a guy on the boat. He's about to kneel. He's got a ring in his hand. He's on his way down. I looked at him. I said, stop. Don't do it. This is where it ends up, right here. This is where you will be one day. There's some overarching themes of money, but what I will say is if I look at your kind of chart of accounts or you look at where you give your resources and your time and the things God's giving you, then it reflects your passions. But the first thing we need to understand is that God is the owner. This is, this is a major breakthrough. Some of you newly saved people, you need to know this. This is a massive adjustment. God is the owner's. We are just the managers of his stuff. Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That's one verse that says that I could pick a lot. But what a radical adjustment. I understand our culture here. Many of you, 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 you made steps to, to further your life. You maybe did education. You, you stepped out into new careers. You want to get promoted. You, you, you are people who have initiative. And here's a danger that can come on us. We can begin to believe, I earned this. I earned it. No, 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 wait a minute. The breath in your lungs, the health that you have, the wisdom you've been given, the energy you have every day, it comes from the hand of Almighty God. And everything you have has been entrusted to you by Him. Here's the second thing. There's a lot of opinions about money but because God owns it all, he's the source of it all, he's the provider of it all, God's voice is authoritative on the subject. And I want to encourage you with this, not just in the area of money, but in a lot of areas, this Bible will contradict what you may have been taught by your friends or family. It may contradict what you've read on the internet. And it'll do that in a lot of areas, from marriage to parenting to kids to money. It, it just, it will change your natural perspective to God's perspective. And after 30 years of pastoring people, discipling people, walking with people, helping people, doing budget coaching, helping my own children, can I tell you, one of the single, if not the single most important factor is God said it, that settles it, I'm going to do it. It's what his word says over my feelings. It's what his word says over what everyone else thinks. And it's really, at the end of the day, very simply a commitment to submit to the voice of Almighty God in this area of your life. The third thing is, our treasure and our hearts are connected. So you got to remember now, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Your heart will deceive you. We live in a world that's primarily led by feelings, and the Bible doesn't tell us it's wrong to have feelings. It's just you are not your feelings. You are not led by your feelings. We're to be led by God and by His Spirit and by His Word. But you got to know this, your heart. The Bible says, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. 
God doesn't need anything from us, but he does want our hearts. So he works in this area of our lives. Why? Because our treasure and our heart are connected. I was thinking about this. I've I've never preached on this, but getting ready for this series and just thinking about it, I thought, you know, it's interesting. Unbelievers give money to causes. Unbelievers will will come into a season here coming up where there's going to be all kinds of things come across your TV, across in the mail, causes. You say, is that bad, Pastor? Well, no, I, I think there's an urge inside of us. We're all created in the image of God. If it helps people, then I'm not here putting that down. But what I am trying to say to you, as believers, it's different. Because unbelievers give and it's transactional. It's a transactional thing. You may think, oh, pastor, you're just talking about the practical transaction of giving. No, no, I'm saying to you, according to God's word, for us and the way we handle our things and the way we give, it's not transactional. It's not we're making some kind of transactional process happen. It's transformational. We believe as followers of Christ that when we submit this area of our life to him, He changes us more into who he's called us to be. We believe he's working in us and through it and dethroning our gods and dethroning our own self-will and our own self-earning. He's showing us his grace in this area because it's transformational. When I was about 22 years old, I bought some Walgreens stock. I, I I just wanted to. I'd never done it. Um, I, I said, I just want to buy some, some stock. My financial advisor said, Jeff, just invest in your 403B. You don't need to do this. I said, I just want to do it. I just want to try it, you know. And I bought $100 of Walgreens stock. Crazy thing. And I just kind of forgot about it. Next week, my wife took me to Walgreens. You know what happened when I walked through the door? I started looking around. I said, we need to paint this place. Who's in charge of these end caps? Those lines are too long. We need to serve the people better in here. I started trying to become the pastor of Walgreens. Are you kidding me? What happened? A little bit of treasure got me connected with my heart, and that's what God does in our lives. But I want to give you the starting point, because this is the first message. Some of you out there are going, okay, it's God's. I want to steward it well. What's the starting point? The starting point is not your budget. I've helped a lot of people build a budget. The starting point is not deciding what you're going to do with what God has given you. It's not, it's not, it's not an investment strategy. The starting point is not to meet with your financial advisor and say, what number are you trying to get to? Scripturally speaking, foundational, first base, starting point, base level to all of you that are newly saved people, the first place you go is you start with the tithe. It's the starting point. It's the foundational level. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Start right here with not giving, but returning to God what is his. You haven't started to give until you've obeyed with God's tithe. And I'll show you what that is. Malachi chapter 3. By the way, in preparation for this message, I heard this passage preached as a kid. I preached on this passage and I just went back and sort of did a review of the book of Malachi. Wow. I don't know how much time y'all spent in the word lately, but man, I mean, read that one and you'll be like, whoa, 
God's not happy. He's not happy. You're like, well, what's he unhappy about? He's not, he brings about what I'm about to talk to you about, the starting point of the tithe, but he's more concerned with his people because that's what he's always been concerned with. And then there's, there's this narrative that he's, he's like, well, I, I am your God. By the way, what's the overarching theme? Tithing is a part of his message to his people here, but the overarching theme is much bigger than that. It's really, he's about to go silent. Jesus, he's going to be several hundred years silent after Malachi. Jesus is going to show up on the scene, and Jesus is going to say, I'm the son of God. The Old Testament theme is to show people that he, little g gods, little g gods, which we all can get in our lives, idols and other gods, I, I am above all, I am the God, the true and living God, Yahweh God, Elohim God. You need to see me as the true and living God. So that then when Jesus comes on the scene, it brings about the gospel message. But there's this pattern in the Old Testament, I don't know if you've ever seen it. God blesses his people. His people turn their backs on him. His people forget where the blessing comes from. His people turn away and he comes and says, return to me. He's so generous. I don't know, most people think God is so angry. I think he's really, really patient when you read the whole Old Testament. He's like, come back to me. What, what is his goal? To make them a people that are blessed and favored by him. In this message on tithing, he's gonna talk about his desire to bless. By the way, let me be very clear. Being blessed doesn't mean just you have a lot of money. I know a lot of people that have a lot of money, they're not blessed. The blessing of God is his hand on your life, his hand on your marriage, intimacy with him, peace in your heart. It includes the resources that he wants to bring you, but it's so much greater. He says, I wanna make you a people that when all the foreign nations that worship their false God look at you and say, I want to worship your God. I want to walk with your God because the blessing of God is on their lives. In the middle of all that discourse, he does say this, I, the Lord, do not change. I, I don't change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my degree, decrees and you've not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Come on back. Just come back to me. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, he says. I know that could be scary language. Can I tell you how many men's groups that I have sat in and showed people all, I'm gonna show you the holistic thing. I'm not just using Malachi today. I'm gonna show you the whole Bible landscape of God's principle, an ancient biblical principle of tithing that brings God's blessing when you return it to him. I have set, in fact, there's a big portion of people listening to me. It's not like this is the first time you've ever heard this. It's just you never got around to it, and here's what I've learned has happened. Because money is spiritual and it gets in our emotions and in our hearts, I've met several, I've discipled guys like, it's right there, it's right there, just do what God says. But there's a spiritual, a emotional, a, a curse, a blindness that can come over you. 
You know where I find sometimes it comes? The Bible talks about the power of life and death being in the tongue. And maybe a grandfather, or maybe a friend, or maybe you got hurt somewhere, or maybe somebody, a dad said, don't, don't, don't let any pastors talk to you about this area. Don't let the church, don't, don't get it. And that comes on you. It can be a hindrance to you walking out God's plan for your life here. He says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. He says, how do we come to this place of breaking this? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me, he says. I, I know places in the Bible where it says, don't test God. This is the only place I know where God goes, just try me. Just test me. I'm like, Lord, that's pretty amazing you would say that. He says, test me in this. Can I, can I submit to some of you? Have you ever tested him? Have you ever said, you know what, we're just going to test what God's word says and I'll make you a promise because I've tithed since I was a kid. He is faithful to his word. Test me in this, he says. Test me in it, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll also protect you. Same, same testimony I hear from all tithers, you know. God, man, he, he gave us wisdom here. He, he opened a door here. He protected us here. He showed up there. Same testimony I hear of non-tithers. This challenge, that challenge, this situation. He says, I want to cover you. I want to protect you. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all, this is the key though, don't, don't get hung up now, this is what he's really after. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Bring the whole tithe. You see, you don't give the tithe, you bring the tithe. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Again, I've done this since I was a kid. By the way, parents, the, the faster you teach your children this, the better. Because there's a lie that says when I get more, I'll start obeying God. But I've learned the more you get, there's never a good time to obey God. So you want to start training them. My parents trained me in this when I was little. I made some money lawn mowing. Probably shouldn't even have been allowed to push the lawnmower. I could have cut my foot off. And I had a little bit of money. And I'll never forget sitting on the pew in church. And I remember my mom looking at me. Mm -hmm. Oh, I knew what she had taught me. I knew what I had learned in my Sunday school class. But I had that first time as a kid to obey God by bringing the tithe to the Lord. And I, I, I walked in that as, as a kid. I've, I, I want to be clear too. Why do I teach you this? This is what I teach my own kids. I want them blessed. I want them to be a delightful land. I want them to honor and obey God. I teach it to my own children. I have grown children now. My son's been in Oklahoma for the last several years. He and I were working through some budget things the other day. We were talking through. It's amazing how also when your life is shifting and you're going to new places, you start looking at how you can make it work. Now, he's a tither. He's probably watching this message, but anyway... He's a tither, but it was interesting. We were talking about these things and the step he was taking and we started working through And Dad, what about that? I said, son, we got to start with the tithe. It's amazing how it just can just kind of become something, even for someone that knows it. My daughter, Lauren, she went to Baylor University, Jerusalem on the Brazos. We're not good in football, but maybe we could become a delightful land or something at some point. 
She called me the other day. She said, Dad, I'm going to my new church. She said, Dad, do I still send my tithe to Milestone Church? I said, well, I am your bishop. <laughs> I said, but no, honey, you, you give your tithe to your church. You go to that church. You go to membership class. You go, you seek God. You listen when the word is preached. You serve the people that they give you an opportunity to serve. And you bring your tithe to the storehouse every single week to your church. And maybe one day that pastor will say, if you got any more of those people, please send them our way. Because that's what a follower of Jesus does. This is basic Christianity. So I teach it to my own kids. If I might be real transparent with you, I've not always been great at teaching it from the platform, if I'm really honest. You know, as a young pastor, I was real evangelistic, and I just love people, and I know that when you teach on these things, there'll be people that get mad and send emails and leave and have all this mental gymnastics of biblical stuff to excuse away their obedience. And so I know that, and I know that it brings tension, and I know it's, I know it's, it's your God because it wants to become my God. So when you stand on a platform and start ripping down idols, not everybody's happy. And so when I was a younger pastor, I'd just preach on, you know, Jesus and the cross and salvation all the time. I'd never get to these things, and I started getting convicted about it because I was thinking, well, I teach my kids this, and my parents taught me this, and I've been blessed by this, and I need to get better. And so I started growing in it, and I was in a, I was in a process of growing as we started Milestone Church. But I'll, I'll never forget, after a service, I went to lunch with Jim Rogers. He's sitting right back there. He's been an elder in our church, been a part of our church since we had about 150 people. He's, he's been a, a, a great mentor to me, been a blessing to this church. You don't know how much you've been blessed by his integrity and financial wisdom that has helped us in this house be who God's called us to be. And, and he had one of those moments. And, you know, he, he was kind of nice, but he's a little gruff. He's kind of, you got to be secure. How many of y'all want people in your life that'll tell you the truth? He'd see me to lunch. He said, Jeff, let me just tell you. Don't ever apologize again. I would get up in the offering, I kind of, if you don't want to, you know, I said, don't do it again. Don't ever apologize for preaching the word of God to people that they'll be blessed by it. I said, got it. That day, I got better. I, I want to encourage you with something. Our church is going to not only make budget, we're going to bless thousands of people through the holidays. If you move to Waco, if you move wherever you end up, you want to have God's hand on your life in this area. What is the tithe, people say? Well, let me just run down a few. First of all, the Bible says it's holy. You may have never known that. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. I don't know if you've ever thought that. Like, I feel that. I'm pretty radical about it at my phase of life now. It's like, if God blesses me or I have any increase or anything, it's like, this part is holy. It's all holy, but this, this part is holy. And I would throw it out the window before I would just keep it because I'm not keeping something that's holy to God. It's holy. You should have a reverence for it. You should have an honor for it. 
The next thing is it's first. It's not second. It's not behind your investment. It's not behind your plan. It's not behind, let's check the stock market. Let's see how the interest rates are doing. It's not past, it's, it's over inflation. It's over anything that's going on. It's first. Why? Because every time you put God first with the tithe, you're reminding yourself that he is first in your life. And you're keeping money in your hands as a tool and not in your hearts as a worship and a God. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I know somebody's listening to me saying, Pastor, hold on a minute. Now, tithe and first and I'm going to have to reorganize my life. Are you asking me to reorganize my priorities, like change my savings, change what we buy, change what we're doing? I'm not asking you that. God's asking you that. Because everybody has a first. Everybody has a first tenth. Everybody has a tithe. Some wear it, some drive it, some eat it, some drink it. But God says it's holy and I want to be first in your life. Honor him with it. It's a tenth. It's a tenth. That's what the word tithe means. Some people say, well, I tithed 2%. That's a tip. That's a tip. The word tithe means tenth. It's simple math, you know, 50,000, 5,000, 100,000, 10,000. It's simple math. The problem with it is it's hard in the area of obedience. It's a test, remember, of our hearts with that tenth every single time. I used to take my kids when they were younger. On, on Fridays was my day off. I'd take them for ice cream. And uh, it, it's, 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 I'd pick them up from school and we'd, we'd make a plan, strategy. We're going to, you know, frozen yogurt, which is really just as unhealthy, but you feel like it's more healthy because it's frozen yogurt with the title. We go to Brahms, we go somewhere, and, and I'd be driving, they'd all be in the back. And this was a big deal when my kids were little, man. It was a big deal. Ice cream Fridays, dad, you know, dad's not pastoring people, he's with us, you know, like here it is, we pull up in there and all of a sudden, and of course I'm, I'm bad about this, you know, just, I, I just let them get whatever. Mom's like, yeah, they don't need an extra large. I'm like, well, the blessing of the Lord, just let them get whatever. I don't <laughs> and they'd get like a triple scoop, whatever, whatever, and I'd pull it through the window and come on dads, you, you got to take the tithe. And so I began to go for the tithe in the back, man. The congregation began to get in an uproar. <laughs> Dad, ah, you would think that they were so deficient in ice cream. It's a funny story, but it's the way we are. God says, I blessed you with everything. In fact, he doesn't have to, and it's not always monetary blessing, but do you know how many passages he goes, hey, I'm going to bless you in this area too. It's like I've given you triple scoop. Just honor me. Just bring me that tithe. It's a tenth. It's a test. It's a test in our hearts of what we will make our God. It's an ancient biblical principle. I, I want to give some of you this, this that are new. It's like, well, is that like Old Testament, New Testament? It's, it's before the law. Abraham tithe, Jacob tithe, it, it goes all the way back before. We see it, we read one in Proverbs. 
Jesus affirmed it in Matthew 23, 23. He's speaking to the scribes and Pharisees. He's talking to them as they're, they're hypocrites, and he actually says to them, you tithe of this, and you tithe of that, and you tithe of this. And he basically says, but I want to talk to you about your heart. You, you should keep doing that. Like he's talking to people that are actually antithetical to what he's trying to do. He says, you should keep tithing, but actually if you want to paraphrase it in Jeff version, he's like, quit being a jerk. Like, like, like tithing's not the end all be all. Tithing is a part of God's plan, but like here's what Jesus does. He doesn't minimize the standard. He takes it up and says, let's do all this with a good heart. Let's do it all with the right attitude. Hebrews 7 brings this picture into the New Testament. The writer of Hebrews is helping this group of people that came out of Judaism, helping them understand how these principles and things they've walked out. In Hebrews 7, the writer says that Abraham tied to Melchizedek. He was blessed in battle. So you say, where are you going, pastor? This is important for you. We, we get trapped. Remember, it's an ancient biblical principle that we see throughout Scripture, but those of us on the backside of the cross that have been saved, that have been bought by His blood, that have been raised to new life and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, we don't tithe out of legal obligation. We now have a new Melchizedek, our great high priest Jesus, who we bring it to willingly and gratefully and thankfully. It's an ancient biblical principle. Here's the last one. It's to the church. He says, bring the whole tithe, bring the whole tenth into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. It's to the church. I want to encourage you with this. You don't tithe your energy. You don't tithe your time. You can, but he's talking about tithing your resources. You don't tithe it to your family. You don't tithe it to an organization. You don't tithe it to whatever you want to tithe it to. You bring it to the storehouse because that's the place where God brings the food that you are. That's why I told my daughter, you tithe to your church. That's where you're going to grow. That's where you're going to be pastored. That's where you're going to be taken care of. Those are the people that are going to be there. When you have a crisis, you're going to go to that place where the storehouse has the food. Yes, this was an agricultural society, but the concept is still the same biblical principle. And the New Testament shows us clearly Jesus is building his church. So I want to encourage it to the church. You're like, how does it work, pastor? I want to finish up with these three thoughts. How does it really work? Well, first of all, I got to say to you, don't expect fear in this area to ever go away. Remember, our treasures are connected with our heart. And you may think, well, I'm going to get older one day and I'll have more stuff and I won't have fear. Did you know I know people who are extremely wealthy that are more scared than college students that I pastor? Because when you get a lot, you're afraid of losing it. And so you can be at all ends of the spectrum and here's the reality God doesn't allow us to ever get to a place where we really can believe we don't need him. So fear being present in my life doesn't stop me, it's, it can, but in any area in God, God's desire for us in his word, that's why following God is a walk of faith. I am afraid, but I'm just going to do it afraid. Coming to Jesus, you can be afraid. If you ever wait for the right moment to come to Jesus, you'll never find the right moment. Well, I don't know if I can live it. I don't know what my parents will say. Who cares? You step out in faith and receive Christ. It's a walk of faith. 
The second thing is you just have to choose to do it. You're like, well, I got to work on this. And when I get to that, I was talking to a guy the other day. He goes, well, I, I want to do that, but I've lost my job. I, I said, well, do you have any income? Well, we got this, we got that. I said, what a better time to test God in what he said in his word. What if you actually did what the word says and then he opened the windows of heaven and began to show up in your life? It's the whole story of Malachi. It's not, oh, now I'm really blessed and then it's good timing for me to choose to do it. You just have to choose to do it. I want to talk to some of the younger families here and several of you that are just starting out. With your regular pay, this is what Brandy and I do, we just, we just automate it. You just automate it, and then if there's some way God blesses us, man, I take that first deal. I'm kind of old school. I, I'm kind of yellow pad, and I still write about three, three or four checks a month. There's some of you young people, what's that? What's this piece of paper? Anyway, um, I, I, still, I still do some of that, but, but really at the end of the day, you know, your electric bill, your water bill, it's, it's, it's a good thing to just start saying, Right off the bat, I'm going to go first fruits to God. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. Every person standing on their feet, I'm going to ask no one to move around for just a moment. I, I want to start right now. I want to be very clear because I am aware enough as a pastor that there's somebody maybe in this room. Everybody just, just pause. No one move around for just a minute. Just a, just a moment here. Just, just, just a holy moment. I'm, I'm aware right now that there's somebody here, maybe a friend invited you, maybe you came and you're like, you showed up today and you think the whole message of Christianity is about resources and stewardship. That's a part of God's desire for us. But if you are a person that is not right with Jesus, let me make this very clear. His salvation for you is a free gift. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. Everything we have, he's generously given us. I'm talking to those today who are followers of Christ, who have received him, who want to learn how to grow and what it means to obey him. But if you're here today and you feel like, man, I'm so far from anything you're talking about, Jesus sees you and he wants to have a relationship with you. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads for a minute. I know there's somebody listening to me or maybe online. You're just not right with Jesus. That's where you got to start. Oh, man, he'll... He'll help you so much with your job, with your money, with your peace, with your heart, with your marriage, with your kids. He, he'll touch every area of your life, but he starts with your heart. And if you're here today and you say, I'm not right with Jesus, I want to just lead you in a prayer. You can just say it in your own heart. It's not about the words. It's about your heart. Jesus, I give you my life today. Jesus, I thank you. See, he makes salvation a free gift, but it cost him everything. It cost him his life. But right where you are, you just say, Jesus, I received that free gift of salvation. I believe you died for me. Maybe you're here, you're carrying guilt, you're carrying shame. Say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness today. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I believe you died on the cross and paid a payment that I could never pay. And you rose from the dead. I receive you today. If you're here right now and you say, I prayed that prayer, I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. I'm not going to make you do anything. I would like to know if I prayed with somebody today. And if you prayed that prayer, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer, just raise it. Thank you, sir, right here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep it up just so I can see it around this room. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Look at me if you prayed that prayer. Anyone else? Yes. Yes, okay. 
I want to say to all of you that just prayed to receive Christ in here, we want to help you grow in your relationship with him. You can come forward at the end of the service. You can come to our growth track, we call it. It's a step. Please tell somebody so we can help you on your journey. But second of all, I want to pray right now. You know, the great thing about Jesus is he doesn't want to condemn us, but he does want to bring conviction in our lives we, 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 we honor God with our resources, not out of obligation, but out of conviction, out of love, out of a desire to serve him. And if you're off in this area, if money has crawled up your fingers and arms and become the Lord of your heart, Jesus, he said it over and over to us, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Malachi the prophet said, God speaking, just return to me. So you can just say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me today. I, I just wanna begin to honor you in this area of my life. And Lord, I pray for grace. Grace not just to hear your word, but to respond to your word and to act on your word in our lives because you do want to make us a delightful land. You do want to have your hand of grace and favor. And it's more than resources. It's your hand and your relationship you have with us. We honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.